Welcome back to another Yak Podcast. This week we're continuing our series called Behind the Mask as we break down this idea of uh, to know and be known. Um, why do we wear masks? Uh, that's what we cover on this week's podcast. Hope you enjoy. So my first day of kindergarten, I got on the school bus for the first time. It's pretty exciting. It isn't like Frisco where the school is in your neighborhood. Um, It was a good 20, 30 minute bus ride to get to Bay Haven Elementary School. I've never been to real school before because it was kindergarten, so I was a little bit nervous as this large yellow whale approached my street corner. I got on after some coaxing from my grandfather. I didn't know anyone. It was my first day of school after all. The bigness of the 28 rows of brown seats in front of me I was kind of lost in the whole craziness of the experience. To make matters worse, I was one of the last stops, which means the vast majority of rows were already taken. So I slowly made my way towards the back, desperately trying to find an open seat. Remember, I'm kindergarten. I can't see the whole way back. I'm short. Okay? So I'm looking for an open seat. Why an open seat? Because that means I didn't have to talk to anybody. Even as a child... I was scared with the idea of interacting with the unknown. Did I want to meet somebody? Of course. But the risk of refusal, no, you can't sit here, or the risk of someone wouldn't like me made me search for one of the empty seats in desperation. I didn't want to risk interaction. Yet I found myself staring at an intimidating state of affairs. 28 rows. No empty seats. So, I asked a kid if I could sit next to him. It was a boy, of course. Girls had cooties. (laughs) We sat in silence for a couple of minutes. Did I dare start a conversation? What if he asked me to get up and find another seat? I don't know who started the conversation, if I'm being honest. But I do remember the kid's name. Brian Wagner of 5279 Box Turtle Circle. We would end up becoming best friends, and this October I get to be the best man in his wedding. Why tell this story? I remember the desire to stay hidden for fear of rejection. I remember that desire. I remember the desire to also have a friend like so many other people clearly had on the bus. And while this circumstance happened many times over in my life, they were different. Um, they were life or different. They were conf- the, con- the. Let me say that again. And while the circumstances many times over in life were different, the conflicting feelings never went away. With every move, with every new school, with every new neighborhood, the same internal conflict would arise. I think this conflict is the state of man, the driving force. In our lives. And here's the state of man as your first fill in the blank. We desire to know and be known. We desire to know and be known. Versus, we fear rejection. We desire to know and be known. Versus, we fear rejection. It's the same reason that new kid comes to school. And the whole class doesn't encircle them to introduce themselves. 
It's the same reason that if you're the new kid, you fear the teacher calling you up to the front of the class to be introduced. It's the same reason we put on earphones when we board a plane or a bus or we don't introduce ourselves to a couple next to us at a ball game or at church. We have our space. We have our lives. And we, the risk of introduction is just too much. Amen. <laughs> so let's break down this dichotomy to know and be known and the fear of rejection. We handle this dichotomy, this battle between wanting to be known and liked and the sphere of rejection several different ways. There are four ways that I think that we as a group typically handle it. Some do what I did. And this is your first fill in the blank, and that is suck it up and ask. Some of you just, okay, I got to do this. Can I sit here? Does a moment in time hit your memory when I say that? Does a moment in time hit your memory? Which hits it first, your memory first, the acceptance or the rejection? Rejection. Right? That says a lot too. This is the next fill in the blank. Some stay in the shadows or just sit. I mean, literally, they, they just sit. They see another person. They, they know that they can't do it. So instead of asking whether they can just take a seat, they go like this. And if the other person's sitting here, they go like this. And pray that this confrontation doesn't happen. That this person is just as nervous about fear of rejection and to know and be known as you are. That hit anybody? <laughs> she is like preacher. <laughs> Others do what I call the flash intro. Immediately confront the problem. You don't give person the time to answer. You just introduce yourself and force your way into the seat next to them. I'm not saying this is wrong, but this is definitely a tactic. Hey, nice to meet you. My name's Jay. Thank you. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> so that's the flash intro. That's the third choice. Here's the fourth one. And then that is others are confident enough in your own skin. There are a few of you. That are so confident in your own skin that if they reject you, you're convinced that there is something wrong with them. <laughs> That's a whole different issue. But some of you are convinced. Hey, what's up, man? I'm sitting next to you. You don't like that? Your problem. You're convinced of it. Now, the Bible tells us we were created to know and be known. Our God is a Trinitarian God. So he is indeed a God of relationships. God has never not been in relationships. The person of the Trinity has always been in a perfect relationship. Likewise, we were created to be in relationship with him. To be part of the perfect relationship that was in place. And this is your next fill in the blank. The fact is we were created to know and be known. We were created for this purpose. But what happened? We sinned. So that relationship we were left with was with each other. But it wasn't just each other. When Adam and Eve were the only ones in good relationship, what happened? When they were the first ones, when they were the only ones that had a relationship with each other that was broken, what happened? They immediately put on clothes. 
They sinned and they put on a mask. I need fig leaves. Anyone got fig leaves? I mean, that sounds silly because it's silly. The moment we broke, we sinned, this entered. To know and be alone would for always butt up against this fear of rejection. I'm going to be found out. That was introduced at the fall. Our desire to hide ourselves was born. And this is the next fill in the blank. Most of you probably guessed it. We sinned and the fear of rejection was born. We sinned and the fear of rejection was born. Think about it this way. Every culture ever excavated by archaeology has this one thing in common. They actually have several things in common, but they have this one thing in common. All cultures have makeup. Makeup. All cultures have makeup. That's the next fill in the blank. All cultures have makeup. And typically, it wasn't just for the females who wore makeup. All cultures. Further, the higher status in any culture, whether Aboriginal, Aztec, Sumer, Greek, the higher status meant more elaborate costumes, a.k.a. clothes, had to be worn. We immediately begin defining ourselves by what we put on the outside. We define ourselves based on what we want people to believe about us. And we do the same things today. Your clothes tell the world a lot about you. Your clothes tell the world a lot about you. They tell you your social status, whether you care about your popularity, or whether you care about not caring about your popularity. Now, this is how I phrase that. You care. You want everyone else in the world to know that you don't care. But you do care care about everyone else knowing that you don't care. They tell other people their sports teams that they like. The clothes tell others what brands they find acceptable, what they find funny. So we are left with a dilemma. We are designed not to hide behind masks, to really know and be known. So we either put on masks... We have masks put on us and are happy with those. Or, as Ed Welch says in his books, what do you think of me and why do I care? We assume that scripture is showing us how to be real human beings. So we either put on masks or Ed Welch says this. We assume that scripture is showing us how to be real human beings. If that is the case, then every command in scripture is what we need. What we need is to take off those masks. We either live in the masks, the clothes we create. I know that is like a literal analogy. But add the clothes to whatever other masks you have built. I'm the jock. I'm the funny guy in class. I'm the nerd. I'm the geek. I'm the sweet boy. I'm the player. You know? We have all these masks that we want to build so other people can know the masks and not us. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Nod your head if you have a clue where I'm going with this. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. And I know this is left for another talk. Hopefully in October I'll get back to the technology. But you guys deal with not only your first person, but what sociologists call your second self. And that is your online identity. You build these vast identities online about how you want others to see you. Your Facebook pages are tailor-made 
to have a specific identity. You typically don't keep pictures up there that you think are bad of you. Unless that's how you want people to see you. We could talk about selfies for a whole talk, but we're not going to. Because <laughs> in many ways, that's the ultimate mask. Okay? But because of sin, we hide ourselves behind what we want people to see instead of what we were made for, which is to know and be known by the Creator. Again, I know I've just used psycho- physical analogies for clothing, but physical actions, traits, and choices, or lack of, usually reflect the inner man. But if you are a Christian, we should have a different hope we get to live for. We have two options in life, and this is spelled out in Scripture. Two options. A fear of man, something we lacked prior to the fall, or a fear of God, something that makes all relationships work. Scripture makes the distinctions by calling it slaves to the world or sons of God. One behind a mask, one naked before the Father. Listen to these verses, Galatians 4, 8 through 11. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by the nature you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods but now that you have come to know god or rather to be known by god see where this is to know and be known how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to you want to be once more you're the slave to the things of this world or you're slaves to god there's not another option those are your only choices. Some of you want to be king. I want to be king. I'm selfish. Okay? But the only reason I want to be king is because I want everyone else to be a slave to me. And so I build things around my life to force that. And Romans 6, 16 through 18, same as the verse before. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either in sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." Colossians 3, 7 through 10. This idea of putting on the new self. We have to take off the old self and put on the new self. You, you used to walk in these ways, in a life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We now live a life, if you are a Christian, which authenticity, you allow live a life, live a life in which authenticity is demanded of us. If you are a Christian, authenticity is demanded of you. You are called to live authentic lives. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to live authentic real lives? It means to live the way you were made. Dolphins love jumping through waves. They were made to do that. Beagles howl at everything. I know it. They howl at it. That's what they were made to do. We were made to be known and know a creator. To reflect our creator God. 
That's what we were made to do. So we either live that life in which we were made, which you will find peace and happiness, or you put on every other mask which will trap you, which says that this is the way you got to do it. To be a man, you got to be this. And if you're not this, then you're not a man. If you're not reflecting Christ, you're not a man. You're wearing a mask. Okay? We are made to know and to be known. To take off the masks of sin and to put on, not, not put on, put on the new self, but to reveal what we were made to be, which is simply followers of Christ. Um, we, were to, we were called to be controlled by Christ, to become more like Him daily. This is how Christ handled the exact same problems. When he was mocked, when he encountered opposition, people that rejected him, how did he deal with it? Ed Welch says this. His secret was simple. This is your last fill in the blank. He loved the praise of God more than the praise of people. He loved the praise of God more than the praise of people. That's how Christ dealt with it. When the disciples are living it out, that's how they deal with it. When Paul's living it out, that's how he deals with it. He loves the praise of God more than the praise of people. His desire to love the Father and to do the Father's will was more than it was to receive the affection of others. That was the key for him. And I believe this is a realistic key for us. I'm not just saying this like, one day when you get to heaven, you get to do this too. No, I think this is a realistic key for us. We've all met people in the church that are so authentic that we're drawn to them. Like, they're real. They got it. They reflect Christ. I want to be like them. We've all met those people. And we find that beautiful. Why? Because they're reflecting the Creator. Think about it. As you fall more in love with your Savior, you will reflect Him more and more. And instead of people seeing the mask of a man, they will see Christ and you in you. And in turn, will either be attracted to the Savior or fall deeper into hatred at the judge. Will you ever take off our masks completely? I don't believe so in this world. I believe we're too scared to at the end of the day. But what does taking our masks off look like? I think we look a lot more like Christ. The only man to walk the earth without a mask. The first step to taking off the masks is to realize the state of man beneath them. Someone who desires to know and be known just like we were created to be. Thanks for listening to this Yak podcast. If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. Tune in next week.